Hello and welcome to this special episode of the New Arab Voice podcast. At the end of September, the New Arab's fearless investigations team published their first story. For months they followed the trail of elephants snatched from their natural habitats in Namibia and whisked away to Emirati zoos. This week, the New Arab Voice presents our special audio version of this investigation. This is Revealed, Wild Namibian Elephants Illegally Sold into Captivity in the UAE. Spanning over an area of eight square kilometres, the recently opened Sharjah Safari Park in the United Arab Emirates claims to be the world's largest safari outside Africa. With space for 50,000 animals of 120 species from across the continent, it promises to, quote, simulate the real regions of Africa, unquote, in the Arabian desert. The park's elephant enclosure, entitled the Niger Valley, is large by zoo standards, with an opulent waterfall and pool, but barren of any kind of vegetation one would expect to find in a savanna. There are no fences to be seen, but artificial rock formations demarcate the park boundaries. The Niger Valley is home to 13 wild African elephants. They huddle together under the shade of large umbrellas, the only respite from the glaring sun up to 50 degrees Celsius heat typical of UAE summers. These elephants are part of a larger group of wild elephants that were exported from Namibia to the UAE in March 2022. Initially captured from their natural habitat in the northwestern Kamenyab constituency of Namibia in early September 2021, they spent six months in quarantine captivity. The elephants were then heavily sedated before being loaded into shipping containers, onto a plane, and transferred to the final destinations. The Sharjah Safari Park and Abu Dhabi's Al Ain Zoo. The first of the two state-owned facilities is an initiative of the Environment and Protected Areas Authority, or EPAA was established in 2017 by the ruler of Sharjah, Sheikh Sultan bin Mohammed al-Qasimi. The Al Ain Zoo was founded in 1968 by the late Sheikh Zayed, the founder of the UAE. Both facilities are said to be part of the UAE's larger wildlife conservation efforts, and the arrival of the Namibian wild elephants is supposedly part of this project. In reality, the sale served primarily commercial purposes under a cover of conservation, and violated international guidelines that discouraged the removal of wildlife from their natural habitat. At the time of publication, 13 elephants are confirmed to be in the Sharjah Safari Park, and 8 to 9 elephants are thought to be in Al Ain Zoo. While the elephants in Sharjah were on display for the public, those in Al Ain have not been seen by the new Arab, and remain enclosed in a large hangar, likely only to be exhibited in the beginning of 2023. Wildlife trafficking is considered to be the fourth most lucrative illicit trade in the world, worth an estimated $15 billion annually. Technically, this is not supposed to be a wildlife trafficking story, but that of an African government selling tuskers to Emirati zoos. Yet the export echoes a wildlife trafficking story, given the shadowy intermediaries involved, the violation of international conventions on endangered species, the mistreatment of the elephants, as well as the absence of long-term benefits for conservation or communities affected. Namibia, a for-profit conservation model. Despite being praised by some for its exceptional conservation management policies, Namibia has recently relaxed restrictions on the hunting and sale of wild animals. 
The Southern African nation is now one of the leading proponents of the sustainable utilization of wildlife. The government's conservation model supports the commercial trade of wild animals and the products derived from them. Namibia, along with other countries in Southern Africa, has been a long-time proponent of legalizing the ivory trade. Adam Cruz, an environmental journalist who has conducted extensive research on Namibia's elephants, said, Wildlife must have a commercial value in order for it to be protected. They are firm believers in commercialising wildlife. On December 3rd, 2020, the Namibian government announced that it would auction off 170 problem elephants, with offers needed by January 29th, 2021. It was organised on short notice, announced only in a government publication, and took place over the main holiday period. In the tender, the ministry stated the requirements that entire family groups must be captured together using qualified professionals following all international guidelines. On February 15, 2022, the ministry officially announced that 57 of the 170 elephants had been sold to successful bidders, 37 of which had already been paid for and captured, including the 22 that were destined for the UAE. The remaining 20 auctioned elephants were still roaming free, pending payment in full and the issuance of related export permits. They are expecting to generate 5.9 million Namibian dollars, or 326,000 US dollars, from the sale in total. Most of the profits were pocketed by intermediaries. According to media reports, South African game farmer Gary Odendal, whose name was confirmed to be one of the successful bidders, paid 183,000 US dollars to the government for the capture of the 22 gentle giants. He had been hired by another South African dealer, Elske Berger, to handle the elephant capture and quarantine. For this, he was paid 950,000 US dollars. During the quarantine period, it's believed two calves were born. Berger then proceeded to handle the export to the Emirati zoos. She declined to respond to the new Arabs' questions. The whole deal was reportedly worth around 2.76 million US dollars. Berger was also involved in the sale of Zimbabwean elephants to the Dubai Safari Park in 2018, according to the data released by the Zimbabwean government. Too many unruly elephants or a water problem? According to official government figures, as of 2019, Namibia has an elephant population of 24,000. However, conservationists and wildlife experts believe that the real number is much lower. Namibia is well known for its small and unique population of what are considered desert-adapted elephants, roaming the ephemeral river systems in the Kamenyab constituency of Namibia. Explaining the reasoning that informed the decision to remove the elephants from Kamenyab, Chief Public Relations Officer for the Ministry of Environment, Forestry and Tourism, Romeo Miunda, explains the new Arab. We calculate in terms of the carrying capacity of the area against the current population that is there. The reason why the specific areas, Kamenyab included, were selected is because there are too many elephants there. However, in recent years, studies have shown that the desert-adapted elephant population of this region has been in sharp decline due to severe droughts, hunting and conservation mismanagement. It is believed that the elephants sold to the Emirates come from this population, although there is argument over whether or not they are from the true desert population. Given the small numbers of surviving desert-adapted elephants, the export could threaten the group's existence. The Namibian government asserts that the motivation behind the sale of their wild elephants is because of the increase in dangerous interactions between humans and elephant populations across the country, or is referred to as human-elephant conflict, or HEC. Specifically, they claim that in the four areas that the elephants were taken from, droughts have driven elephants into farmland in search of water, damaging infrastructure and crops and posing a threat to local farmers. 
Last June, Gerardo Martinez, head of elephants at Sharjah Safari Park, told the program, Dubai this week, that the elephants were causing, quote, a lot of conflicts in the villages where they lived, unquote, and that the Emirates Safari Park stepped in to save them. Conservationists and wildlife experts have challenged the Namibian government's claims of increased HEC and believe that it is being used as a cover story for a financially motivated sale. The reality is that HEC is a complete fabrication that the Namibian government uses to justify these translocations, said Cruz. He explained that the term itself can be misleading. Conflict implies there's danger or threat to human life, when in reality, interactions with elephants are rarely ever aggressive or dangerous, and the damage is almost always confined to crops or property. The claimed HEC hotspots are in fact commercial farming areas that have expanded in recent years, crossing into elephant corridors. The Convention on the International Trade in Endangered Species, or CITES, is the only major international treaty on wildlife trade. Namibia and the UAE are both signatories. CITES rules state that elephants causing trouble should be relocated within the country or at least the southern African region. And add that wild areas or private reserves should be their farm destination in order to keep the elephants as close to their home habitat as possible, known as in situ conservation. Relocations within the region would have been sufficient to address the HEC. Gail Thompson, a consultant with Namibia's Chamber of Environment, said that for the UAE-bound Kamenyab elephants, local relocations would have been the ministry's first choice. Although it wasn't a requirement, they had a strong preference to keep them in the country if there had been a lot of tenders, she said. But the requirement to take whole elephant herds drastically reduced the number of buyers able to comply with the terms. However, the new Arab was told that several offers had been made to the ministry to relocate the elephants within Namibia. Rob Roy Ramey and Laura McAllister-Brown U.S. researchers heading the Namibian Desert Elephant Conservation Project have studied this population for decades. When the ministry launched the auction, they submitted a proposal to relocate the Kamenyab problem population to enhance the gene pool of the Hurasab population further in the West, but they never heard back from the ministry. The new Arab also spoke with an NGO that had contacted the Namibian authorities at the time of the announcement of the auction and offered to assist with logistics and securing funding to translocate the elephants to areas in Namibia where populations had declined. A draft of the proposal was also shown to the new Arab. These offers were also not taken up, with the ministry claiming that the offers had come too late. In late July, the new Arab visited the communal farming areas of Kamenyab to speak to farmers and other members of the community about their experiences with HEC and whether or not they wanted the elephants to be removed. Over the 32 interviews conducted, there were points that came up time and time again. Water scarcity is an issue, as too is HEC, but government inaction lies to the root of the problems. In the parched landscape, elephants are drawn to the large open-top concrete systems, known locally as dams, that farmers pump water into. While the elephants don't always cause damage when they drink from these dams, it does occur, frequently when they have calves in the herd. The older ones will just put their trunks in and drink, but once they are with the younger ones who can't reach, then they will pull out the pipe, said Michael Noatep from Farm Drehook Posseen. When damage does happen, government support persistently fails to materialise. Despite the damage that the elephants can cause, and the potential for injury, particularly at night, there is no overwhelming desire to see the elephants go, and for the local area to lose the income they bring in through tourism. 
Lydia Brumer is co-owner of Huab Valley Lodge, where she runs wildlife spotting trips for tourists. Elephants are their main attraction. If we have water points for them, where they can drink and refresh, I doubt we are really going to have conflicts, she said. She also highlighted that elephants had stopped crossing into the lodge, with only one sighting of elephant tracks in three months. Brumer referred to human encroachment as the reason why elephants have become more nocturnal. Capture operations are likely to further discourage their appearance in the daylight. A portion of the money made from Namibia's wildlife goes into the Game Products Trust Fund, or GPTF, so that it can be spent on helping people in game areas live with wildlife. According to a Namibian Environment Ministry statement released on February 15th of this year, 243,400 US dollars from these elephant sales has already been paid into the GPTF. However, many of the farmers that the new Arab heard from say they don't currently receive any help from the government and have never heard of the GPTF. In the end, just 10% of the 2.76 million US dollars that was reportedly paid by the Emiratis for the elephants went to the Namibian government. Emirati Zoo's adamant on importing wild-caught elephants. The Sharjah Safari Park officially opened its doors in February 2022. However, plans and preparations to import wild African elephants go back at least a decade, long before the Namibian government announced its intentions to hold an auction. In May 2021, the New Arab spoke to a prominent UK-based zoo operator. He said that many years ago, he had had a conversation with an Emirati colleague in Sharjah, in which he was told that a very large hangar was being built to house elephants. The most obvious location for this would have been the Sharjah Safari Park. Sharjah's Environment and Protected Areas Authority began to convert their conservation area into a safari park in June 2016. Taking into account the planning stage and the fact that Sharjah only has African species in its collection, they likely had to plan the sorting of the elephants three or four years before starting construction of the enclosure. When asked whether the UAE would have considered the impact of this import on the Namibian ecosystem, the former CEO of an Emirati safari park told the New Arab that The UAE authorities would have turned a blind eye to the status of the elephant population in Namibia, passing the responsibility to the zoos themselves to do any background check. As for Alain Zoo, they expressed interest in acquiring elephants as early as 2010. Official plans for African elephants date back to July 2019, though, when construction began on the zoo's $25 million elephant safari project, which promises a feeding experience that is unique to the GCC area. The beginning of construction of elephant housing facilities, long before the Namibian government announced its plans to sell the elephants, suggests that the UAE's demand for African elephants was already high. The owner of Magiri One Zoo, a company contracted to design the Sharjah Safari Park, is the Dutch national Cohen Brewer, who is also the former head of the European Association of Zoos and Aquaria, or EASA. Cohen Brewer's design included the Niger Valley elephant enclosure in the park. He did not respond to requests for comment. Alain Zoo is accredited by EASA, while the Sharjah Safari Park was reportedly hoping to become a member. While planning the acquisition of African elephants, the Emirati Safari Parks ignored the warnings of established zoo associations like EASA, and sidelined them in the decision-making process. Arne Lorenz, the EASA ex-situ program coordinator for elephants, told the New Arab that, around 2019, he had been approached by Mark Craig, the former Alain Zoo life science director, and that he had made absolutely clear 
that there are no imports from Africa with a breeding programme. Lorenz explained that Iaza had imported African elephants in the past, but the breeding programmes had not been successful. Mark Craig was not available to comment by the time of publication. Unlike African elephants, Asian elephants had been doing really well in Iaza facilities, according to Lorenz, to the extent that they had stopped breeding to avoid overpopulation. Lorenz had informally proposed to Craig the transfer of Asian elephants to the Emirati zoos, but was told that they only wanted to have African species. For Emirati rulers, the tourism-driven African theme of their wildlife parks apparently mattered more than the success of the breeding programmes. And for this, the Emirati zoos were willing to pay a high price. Lorenz described the philosophy of the Emirati zoos as, quote, I got the money, I want to have it, I don't care if that works, unquote. The outcome was a lucrative deal finalised through middlemen rather than a non-commercial exchange between zoos. After months of back and forth with the Yaza officials, during which the new Arab kept sharing information and questioning the role of their members in this sale, Yaza decided to terminate the membership of Alain Zoo on the 15th of September. In their statement, they said that the import of the Namibian elephants implied multiple breaches of Yaza rules. It further cited a lack of transparency and the decision to go ahead with the import in spite of Yaza's opposition as reasons for ending the Emirati Zoo's membership. In violation of international treaties. In August of 2019, 184 CITES members voted on a resolution to end the export of five African elephants. Namibia voted against the resolution, but it passed anyway with a two-thirds majority. One year later, to the surprise of many, Namibia's Environment Ministry announced its plans to capture and auction 170 wild elephants. This was not particularly out of character for Namibia. It had previously sold wild elephants to Mexico and Cuba. Zimbabwe leads the region's pro-trade agenda, with exports of more than 140 elephants to captivity in China over a seven-year period. However, this happened before the 2019 decision to end these kinds of trades, as they were ruled to not be in the animal's best interests. All species covered by CITES are listed in three appendices corresponding to the level of protection needed, with Appendix 1 being the most endangered. Due to the biggest size and stability of the population, Namibian elephants are listed under Appendix 2, meaning that they are not necessarily threatened with extinction, but in which trade must be controlled in order to avoid utilisation incompatible with their survival. Despite the threat of extinction faced by Namibia's desert-adapted elephants, no official distinction is made. Appendix 2 allows for the trade of wildlife, but the amendment passed in 2019 explicitly bars the export of elephants from Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe and South Africa to any country where the elephants are not naturally occurring, except in the case where there is an explicit conservation benefit. Elephants are not indigenous to the UAE, and under these terms, it would be extremely difficult to justify that the export of white elephants to captivity would provide a conservation benefit. To get around these regulations, the parties involved exploited a loophole, upgrading the elephants from Appendix 2 to Appendix 1, a move that is permissible given that Appendix 1 should afford the elephants more protections. Appendix 1 prohibits the trade of listed species for commercial purposes. However, in a highly controversial issue within the Convention's policies, zoos and safari parks are considered primarily non-commercial sites, and the transaction is therefore not prohibited. This is considered one of the biggest loopholes in CITES, which has a troubled reputation with conservationists and has drawn widespread criticism. At the Sharjah Safari Park, 
gold tickets, which include a luxury vehicle and private guided tour, go for $75. The Al Ain Zoo offers an even more exclusive package, a safari SUV experience costing $286. In the four months after its opening, Sharjah Safari Park attracted 35,000 visitors. Under CITES regulations, before any trade can be issued, both the exporting and importing countries must produce a non-detriment finding, a conclusion by the country's scientific authority that the proposed trade will not negatively impact the survival of the species. In the case of the 22 wild elephants, no non-detriment findings have been made public from either Namibia or the UAE, as these would have certainly triggered scientific challenges of the conclusions reached. Several animal welfare and conservation groups have independently sought legal opinions regarding whether the wild elephant sale was illegal under CITES provisions, which are binding for member states. The New Arab obtained a copy of an opinion submitted by Cullinan and Associates, an environmental law firm drafted on behalf of the EMS Foundation, a South African animal welfare group. Lawyers came to the conclusion that, given that the elephants likely came from the desert adapted population, both Namibia and the UAE could not reasonably be satisfied that the proposed export of such a large number of animals would not be detrimental to the survival of the species. The legal opinion therefore concluded, We do not believe that it would be lawful for the Namibia CITES Authority to issue an export permit under either Appendix 1 or Appendix 2 of CITES. Similarly, we do not believe that it would be lawful for a country outside of the range of states for African elephants to issue an import permit. In response to this investigation, CITES spokesperson David Whitbourne asserted that The CITES Standing Committee considered the issue and do not feel that there was sufficient evidence of non-compliance for it to take action. The 19th meeting of the Conference of the Parties to CITES is scheduled to take place in Panama City in November and regulations governing wild elephant trade are on the agenda. While all parties involved claimed that the trade was legal and done with the well-being of elephants in mind, International guidelines were clearly flouted, and involved parties were likely aware of this. Environmental investigative journalist Adam Cruz said, If the whole transaction was ostensibly legal, as Namibia and the UAE claim, then why was the whole thing very clandestine? It was done under this cloud of secrecy. Clearly, something was done that they knew wasn't quite right. International action needed. When the new Arab visited the Al Ain Zoo in late August, the facility was empty with very few visitors. Under the scorching heat, the zoo had come to resemble a desert covered in sandy hills. There are wells that are filled with water every morning, but by the late afternoon they appear to have dried up. Driving around in the air-conditioned SUV, stopping to feed carrots to ostriches and giraffes, the animals, antelopes, zebras, rhinos and lions, appear to be panting, congregating and hiding from the heat under the shade. Once they are on display, these are the conditions the Namibian wild elephants will encounter. To enclose an elephant in anything beyond its natural range is total cruelty, especially if it's grown up in the wild, said Adam Cruz. One of the most concerning elements of this deal is that it points to a growing demand in the UAE for wild animals, taking them from their natural habitat and putting them in captivity, not for conservation as they claim, but for personal and public pleasure and status, as well as a willingness to meet this demand from certain nations' homes to African elephants. The Sharjah Safari Park alone can host up to 50,000 African animals. 
unless the adequacy of international regulations and oversight mechanisms are addressed, deals like the one seen between the UAE and Namibia will continue to take place. The decision of the European Association of Zoo and Aquaria to end the membership of the Alain Zoo was a step in the right direction, but the road ahead is still fraught with loopholes and complicit institutions. International spotlights are now on CITES to adopt more stringent measures in their summit in November. Research and writing for this investigation was done by Andrea Gelotti, Ed Caron, Nadine Talat, John Grobler and Tabitha Sanders, with additional contributions from Matteo Mazzolini. It was read by Ed Caron and produced by Hugo Goodrich, with additional help from Rosie McCabe. To read the article in full, head over to the New Arabs website, where you can find additional pictures, videos and documents. A link to the article can be found in the show notes. The New Arab Voice will be back next week. Until then, you can find all our previous episodes on all major podcast platforms. You can also check out our Instagram page and Twitter account, both at The New Arab Voice, for additional content. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and you can also rate and review, which helps us spread the word. Don't forget to follow The New Arab on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for all the latest news from the region. (laughs) 